Hello, listeners. Welcome to Sailing the East podcast. I'm Balaam Musitz. My co-host, Mike Wasserman, uh, is not available today, so I'm going to be doing this one solo. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we will focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them to be a guest on the show. Well, we came across a very interesting person. His name is Sam Holmes. You may have seen his YouTube channel, where he shares his adventures with the rest of the world. He has sailed solo to Hawaii. He has also sailed up the east coast of the United States, from the Gulf Coast all the way up to Maine, and then back down to North Carolina. He's a real adventurer, and he does most of his sailing solo. So it's a great, interesting story, and he and I had a great interview. Let's get to it right away. Today I'm with Sam Holmes, who is an accomplished sailor, uh, an adventurer, I would say, and a YouTube star. So welcome to the podcast, Sam. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So um, tell me a little bit about uh, sort of how you got started in sailing. Um, I learned how to sail when I was a kid on uh, 420 dinghies at a sailing camp. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how I learned how to sail. And then I didn't really sail much until I was an adult or I didn't sail any until I was an adult. And then I just bought a boat on Craigslist and I started kind of relearning and, uh, that's how I, I got into sailing. Yeah. And, and, uh, if I look at, I've watched a bunch of your, your videos and I, I won't say all of them, but, uh, a pretty large portion of them. And, uh, you've done some pretty long trips. I, I think you did a trip from LA to Hawaii. Is that correct? Yeah. I sailed a 23 foot boat from LA to Hawaii and then all the Hawaiian islands. And then I sold that boat and I got a boat in Florida and I sailed that up to Maine and then back down to North Carolina. Yeah. So I'm preparing to cross the Atlantic next. That's your next adventure going across the Atlantic. Yep. Very nice. And, uh, so let's go back uh, a little bit, if you would, to when, when you were younger. And you said you did some sailing as a kid. Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina, in the Wake Forest. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, did, you, uh, did you sort of start off life as saying, hey, I want to be a sailor? Or did you have various different jobs? What were some of the things that you did? Um. I, I worked at I used to work at Disney and then I quit that job to go do sailing. Oh, what'd you what'd you do at Disney? I uh, worked on projection for for the rides. Oh wow! At the parks. So do you have like a technical background or an artist background or creative arts or something? Yeah, like industrial design. So I studied. Oh okay. And and so what sort of uh, inspired you to? quit Disney, quit probably a reasonable paying job, you know, sail just on the weekends, if you will, to quitting all that and, and getting sort of jumping headfirst into sailing. Um, it was, I wanted to sail to Hawaii and I was kind of tired of my job and, um, had some medical stuff that made me kind of try to change my priorities a little bit. So it seemed like a good time to, yeah. to go ahead and do that. Yeah. And, and and how old were you when you sailed to Hawaii, Sam? Uh, 
29, 30, 30, I think it was 30. Okay, yeah. 30. And you did that solo, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. It was a small boat, so I wouldn't want to have view of, you know, in that small space with another person, really, for, yeah. for that long. So better to do it solo, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Now, Plus, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> didn't want to get someone else killed. Right. right. Well, it's it's one of these, uh, you're always learning when you're doing sailing, that's for sure. There's always something yeah. that you're going to experience that you haven't experienced before, and and you sort of have to figure it out. And I've always thought that that was one of the interesting things about it. Yeah, for sure. You always learn something new out there. Yeah. So this podcast uh, focuses predominantly on sailing on the East Coast of the United States. And so the reason I reached out to you was, uh, I think, this past year, uh, you started down in Key West, if I remember correctly, and sailed pretty much up the East Coast of the United States, all the way up to Maine, and then turned around and went back down to North Carolina. So uh, Yeah, I, got, I started in... Uh... Punta, Punta Gorda, I guess. Yeah, so like on the Gulf. And then I went around to the Keys. Yeah. Yep, and that's that's about right. Yeah, and did you do did you do that solo as well, Sam? Uh, I picked up a girl in um, uh, Florida, and then she sailed around the Keys with me, and then she did the leg from like the the passages from North Carolina to, to Maine, and then the rest of it I did solo. Oh, okay. Okay. Very nice. And uh, so what what sort of drives you to, to do things solo? I mean, that's sort of a different way of sailing, right? I've done it a few times, but certainly uh, not. it's not my normal way of sailing. And uh, what, mm-hmm. what sort of drives you to do that? I guess I kind of like when I first got my boat, it was kind of hard to get people to go, you know, with me because I wanted to sail like every weekend kind of. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, like, I had a girlfriend I could go with, but not always. Um, and so I just was, like, itching to always go, right, whenever I wanted to. So I pretty early, I think, like, the first time I, I took my boat out, I was single-handed just because um, I was fine with that. Even when I learned how to sail, like, at the sailing camp, like, when I was, like, 15 or something, like, none of the other kids, like, me and my brother were, like, really into it, but none of the other kids were, like, really wanted to be there, I guess. So. Yeah. We just kind of would single hand the boats with the other kid just kind of like <laughs> along for the ride, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so I just thought, like, I mean, I, I guess that made it like a, something that wasn't really that, you know, that was, that was something that was doable. I guess sometimes people are intimidated by single handing. Yeah. Um, so pretty quickly I figured out I could do it single handed. And then I also realized most of the time when I did bring people, it almost was harder because you're kind of like, trying to give them a job and also kind of give them guidance for what they need to do. And then sometimes you got to kind of take over a little bit. And so you're kind of working around more people. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like started to realize kind of, it's kind of a, a, a plus to go solo. And then also when I would do longer trips, it's, it's even harder to find someone, you know, to do like a, you know, a three or four day weekend, I can take off work. Um, or kind of sometimes it's like indefinite when you're going to get back. And uh, like the longer stuff is definitely easier to go. It was easier to get people to it's easier to just go solo than try to find someone who is a good match. And also it's kind of hard to get along with people in those situations. Like um, for that, for even, you know, just even like a long weekend. Uh, so I like 
I like that part about solo. And then like once I started going further, I just was kind of I started to really appreciate being alone out there. Like um, these this feeling of like you're just like a little speck out there on the water in your small boat and uh, this kind of self-reliance. And then also I like the aspect that like you're in charge of everything and only responsible for yourself at the same time. And um, I think that's what was one of the things I like a lot about soloing, especially like the ocean and the ocean passages. And then I, the more I do it, it's like the more I, I like it, like the, this, this feeling of accomplishment of like doing it yourself is, is pretty cool. So that's kind of what has kind of draws me towards solo sailing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can hear that excitement in your voice for sure. And that enthusiasm. And, and, you know, from, from my perspective, there's sort of like a difference between going out for a day sail solo and doing mm-hmm. a three or four day passage solo. And, and I understand the challenges of finding crew, right? Those are always a, if you don't mm-hmm. have a partner that sort of wants to do it with you, then that's always a challenge. But, but it's sort of, uh, I find it a, a, a bit intimidating to think about doing a two or three day passage solo and worrying about, you know, sleep and sleep deprivation and all the crazy things you read that can happen when you're sleep deprived. And when you're sailing yeah, relatively close to shore, mm-hmm. there's a lot of traffic. It, it's not like you're out, you know, 400 miles offshore where if you take a half hour nap, chances are you're not going to hit anything. But when mm. you're, when you're more doing coastal things, it's, it's a little more challenging. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. That's the biggest thing to get over is to have the boat, you know, steer itself. Right. And stay awake at the, the right times and kind of deal with being tired that's really hard for me um i don't you know function well without a lot of sleep um but you know you gotta you just have to do it and once you're on your boat like if you don't have another option then i'll like make my stay itself stay up and i kind of also alter the way i think it's maybe on the east coast there seems to be a little bit more traffic to the because all the ports i've been going to i guess like going to Catalina, there's kind of a lot of boats going back and forth on the West Coast. But I would kind of alter the way I sail. Like a lot of people like to sail through the ICW or, in, or near shore. But like I really prefer, especially solo, it makes sense. Like I'd prefer just to go way as far offshore, you know, as I can reasonably go. Like I can just do like a big tack out and then yes. come back yeah. um, just to get myself as far away from shore. Because then I'll see less boats and there'll be bigger ships usually. And they might have AIS now. They have AIS. I can see them. Um, and then also I would do the same thing in Hawaii. Like I would usually like leave not quite as much traffic around there if you keep going, if you go further out too. So like instead of just going straight from island to island, or you know like we're kind of tacking along the coast i would just go way just do one big tack and get like as far away as i can and and sometimes it would make it take a little longer but then i could maybe get some intervals of sleep out there yeah that i would feel a little more comfortable with but i wouldn't feel comfortable closer to shore yeah so and then other things like i would do other like sometimes uh, i i know i'm gonna have to sail overnight for a lot of passages too um like and i kind of i'm trying to time it so i get there during the day sometimes i do this thing where like i'm at the downwind leg and i can have the boat and i want to get there too soon i'll just like heave to and kind of set it up so i kind of you know kind of make the leeway kind of drift into the the area i'm trying to go 
Um, and that way the boat's not, you know, moving too fast. It's pretty nice and comfortable to kind of rest. And then I, all I have to do is kind of poke my head up every once in a while and make sure that someone else isn't going to hit me because I'm just kind of, you know, drifting. Yeah. Um, but that, those are kind of the strategies that I've found work for me. But again, I just kind of learned them as I went. Yeah. Well, I, cert- I certainly can identify with the, the sleep deprivation part because the long passages I've made have typically mm-hmm. been uh, with either th- two other crew members or just one other crew member. And, and certainly when, even when there's, I've done, you know, three or four night passages with one other crew member. And for me, Mm -hmm. I don't get enough sleep with just one other person there, you know, doing four hours on four hours off, man. I find, I found that to be really challenging. No, for sure. I, I, you know, even after I, you know, I sailed to Hawaii, I'd never really done like, the crew watch kind of thing, yeah. you know, cause like all my overnight stuff was always solo. Uh, and then I, I started sailing with a girl in Hawaii, um, on her boat, we did it, we did, went from Oahu to Kauai and she was also, um, kind of a solo sailor. She had sailed to Hawaii solo on her boat. Um, she had a little bit more experience, you know, doing kind of some crude washes and stuff, but we were both at that point, we were kind of solo sailors and we started trying to do the sleep schedule, but like, I just couldn't do it instinctually. I couldn't like sleep for the full time. I just, I have to, when I'm on a boat, I just have to wake up and look around every yeah. you know, 10, 15 minutes. I couldn't like, I, I, what happens is like, I just get in this routine and I go to sleep and then like, I just wake up and my heart was like kind of pounding until I see that nothing is around and yeah. then I can go back to right back to sleep again. And I just, and I would forget that she was there on watch, you know, and I didn't need to go off. And then when I was on, and I just hated trying to stay up for the full watch, you know, cause I just wasn't used to that. And then we yes. all, we ended up just what worked for us was we just kind of sailed like we were solo sailing and we just had kind of two people doing the, uh, <laughs> the kind of sleeping and then, you know, looking up every few, you know, few minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I haven't really done much sailing with a crew, so that's different for me. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing how how sort of uh, flexible uh, the body is and how it can accommodate various different situations, right? When you're by yourself, somehow your mm-hmm. body knows, hey, I got to wake up every 20 minutes or half hour and poke my head out. And, you know, it, yeah, it, it that's really true. is remarkable. And you kind of, but you kind of need that the, something to force you to do it, right? Like if I was trying to do that, you know, for a, not for some other reason you know that wasn't like you know crucial that yes. i wake up i just couldn't i couldn't right. stay up exactly all right if you're trying to do that when you're when you're uh you know on land in your house it's yeah like, it's like right. to check something at work or something right. i don't know like if there was something for that i couldn't do it but out yeah. of water i can yeah what do you think what do you think is the most challenging part of of sailing uh solo the most challenging part of sailing solo um what would be? I mean, yeah, the the kind of keeping a not keeping a good watch, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, one of the I find that one of the interesting and the only place I've ever sailed is on the East Coast. You know, from from Nova Scotia mm-hmm. down to Florida, and w- one of the things that that I think is remarkable about the East Coast is, is this notion that you could sail the whole length of the East Coast from Key West up to Nova Scotia, and and you can mm-hmm. do it in four to six hour chunks or four to eight hour chunks. You don't have to do overnight passages, right? There's a couple mm-hmm. places where it's, it's a little, depending upon your boat, it might be a little sketchy, but you can pretty much do the whole thing 
with not having to do overnight passages. You could do short hops uh, and anchor out or, you know, lots of bays, et cetera, along the way. And, and so what sort of, was it a schedule that sort of drove you to do this in, in longer legs or is it just that that's what you enjoy? It's what I enjoy. I, I, I don't know, a lot of people kind of had suggested I go go to the Chesapeake. It would be really beautiful and stuff. But like I just, it's it's kind of a multiple things. It's for one, it's like I enjoy the longer get uh, stretches. Also, I was trying to get up to Maine um, while it was still summer and warm, so yeah. I could like enjoy it more when I got there. And then um, uh, the solo sailing, it kind of lends it. It works a little better when you're offshore I, I think like in the chesapeake i had to i had a lot of trouble i, had, I would have to just stop and anchor um I, I, I just i can't i don't know i can't, can't have trouble going that slow i guess like where i have to stop stop yeah. that often i'm just used to going i don't know i wanted to make more progress yeah so i was yeah kind of time crunch and then going offshore let me uh kind of do my just kind of not be able to relax the watch a yeah. little bit more yeah, I, I, I do agree that, that, that being offshore is much more relaxing, right? When I can you're... get more wind. Yeah, and also I don't like going in between the buoys all the time. You know, the you know, right. chain in the channel, it's such a narrow, and, like, you have to be right on it. Like, it's, it's so easy to go aground and so much of that stuff. And I can relax when some further, further exactly. out. I just have to pay a little bit of attention to the weather. But um, the boat I have now is so much better than, for that kind of stuff than the, the Ranger, like, I can. I've just. I had some kind of bad weather in the Gulf Stream once, and I just hoped to, and it, and it went from like really kind of scary, but to not too bad. Just hoped to, and and drifted overnight, and then it kind of the waves kind of the yeah. period kind of spaced out a little bit, and then and it was kept on kept on going. Yeah, yeah. So, what type of boat do you have now, Sam? I, I have a Cape Dory Twenty Eight now. Oh, very nice. Uh, one of the. One of the first sails I ever took uh, out in an ocean was on a friend's Cape Dory 30. Uh, oh, cool. Very, very yeah, stout bo boats. Yeah, very mm -hmm. nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, it, it seems like when you're close to shore, you you, you got to be watching stuff because there's, you know, crab pots or lobster pots or fishing nets or yeah. <laughs> other boats. Mm -hmm. And and you're always sort of I'm always a little bit on edge, I'll call it. It's hard for me to totally relax. Whereas if I'm yeah. 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 miles offshore, there's nothing out mm -hmm. there. And and Right, nothing to hit. There's nothing to hit. <laughs> you know, there's nobody popping up on AIS or radar. You can't see anybody. And and you can really I did, relax. I did hit a log out there once. <laughs> Just a big log. Yeah. It was the weirdest sound. Yeah. But every most I like to keep doing the full keel because it kind of just roll it like you know, crab pots and stuff just kind of roll off the bottom. Yes, that's very nice for that. It's very nice. So uh, you've sailed on the West Coast. You've sailed in Hawaii. You've sailed uh, in the Gulf a little bit up the East Coast. What, what are some of the things that you find are, are really nice about sailing on the East Coast? Nice about sailing on the East Coast. Um, well, there's a lot places to go in you got lots of options you know if you want to go a little further you can probably make it to another port yeah making good time yeah or if you um can just kind of go towards land and there's it's you don't have to divert so far um to the biggest flat i don't think it's quite as much as that on the, the west coast yeah 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 i guess one one of the things that i find uh, uh comforting about sailing in the east coast is this notion that 
even if you're 20, 30, 40 miles offshore, if something bad happens or the weather unexpectedly changes on you, you can get mm-hmm. into a port pretty quick. I mean, there's ports almost every, you know, every 10, 15 miles, it seems like you can, you can yeah. get into something, right? If you, if you need to. And I to. would always kind of pick, yeah, pick one, which I was kind of aim for, but then I usually wouldn't end up in that, you know, then yeah. have like a kind of a short or a further one. So that, that's kind of nice. Yeah. When I do my passage planning, I, I always have sort of bailout points along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay. if I... Also, it seems like the winds, they, they're not like, isn't, it's kind of a good and a bad thing, but the prevailing winds, they're kind of, they're, it kind of switch. So you could go up or down. You know what I mean? Like I felt like on the West Coast, it just the wind is kind of was always almost all. It's like rare for it to to change. Mm. Um, but I I would get more of a variety of forecasts. It seemed like I don't really understand. Like I don't know how the pressure systems really regulate the weather over here on the East Coast. It, I still haven't really quite grasped it yet. But uh, that's that's I think this passage across the Atlantic is going to be. Um, I don't know, more difficult in that regard than the sailing to Hawaii. Because in Hawaii, it just kind of got in the trade winds. And sure, they they went, you know, from side to side. And eventually, sometimes I was beating into the wind. But yes. um, it was kind of like, I, I just knew that, that the high pressure system would kind of like regulate the, the the trade winds kind of, and just kind of go down south a little bit and then hook over. Yes. But it seems like there's so many more like things at play over in this section of the Atlantic. Um don't quite get it yet, but I'll keep studying it. Hopefully, I figure it out before I leave. <laughs> yeah. So when it when is you, when, what what's your plan? What when are you going to depart uh, to go across the Atlantic? Well, I got my boat in my front yard. Um, I got a little workshop in North Carolina, and I'm I'm just the boat was kind of right, good enough to go before, but I just kind of like sure it up a little bit. I put new chain plates on it, and uh, I took off the deck, uh, that the tow, tow rail, and yep. I see like all these leaks have been where I've been, water's been getting in the uh, hull deck joint. So I'm doing some glass over on that. So I want to get the boat back in the water, though, in, like, April and then try to leave towards the end of May. That seems to be what the book's say to do. Yeah, and, and what route so, What route are you thinking of taking? Uh, well, my first plan was going to go up, you know, the coast and, like, leave from, like, uh, Newfoundland. But since I've already gone up to Maine and I wasn't able to get into Canada last year, um, I think this time my goal will be just to I changed it to go to uh, Bermuda and then Azores, and then I was kind of want to do like more north, like to like Ireland instead of Portugal after that. But um, I don't know, I just kind of play it by ear. But yeah, it's probably Bermuda and then Azores and then Europe. Very nice. And then uh, you you have plans for for uh, staying in Europe for a period of time? Yeah, I gotta figure out like. All the logistics on that kind of depends what where Corona is at and if I can get a vaccine and country borders and stuff. But um, yeah, I'll stay there for a while and then. I mean, it, you can't really plan too far in advance, right? Um, <laughs> Isn't that true? This kind of stuff because you never know what's going to happen or yeah. still be into it. But I would like to, yeah, go through Europe and then kind of work my way kind of south a little bit and then hook back across the Atlantic into the Caribbean. Do the yeah, trade wind route around the world. That's like you know, kind of big picture maybe. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Just one one passage at a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, Sam. So, uh, if you if someone's listening to this podcast, what words of advice would you give them uh, if they're sort of thinking about you know sailing and doing some longer passages or et cetera? What 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 words of wisdom would you have? Oh, I mean. 
like if you think you might you're gonna like it then you should give it a try um you, you can get like some lessons or you can just get a dinghy and kind of books and to learn from yourself or have on a friend's boat um i think i think some people you know it's definitely not for them but you, they probably know it right so if you think you're interested and i go for it yeah yeah well that's good advice that's good advice hey sam thank you very much for uh being on this podcast on this sailing the east podcast um uh, mm-hmm. and uh you know people can watch your videos which are, are quite good it's uh sam holmes sailing on YouTube, and you have uh, quite a few videos up there of your trip to Hawaii and uh, your your exploits in Hawaii and up the coast of the United States this year. Uh, I've watched a bunch of them. They're quite good. So thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope that you found it interesting and thought-provoking. If you have any questions about what we've discussed, please get in touch with us. Our email is sailing the east at gmail.com and please do subscribe if you haven't already and better yet tell a friend so until next time signing off from upstate new york see you soon <music>